0: season two of the jkr podcast powered by black cobra sports my name is jay shriglin and i'm the host let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor today's episode sponsor is mind baseball located in dallas texas their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, On Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, Baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Texas native, former Texas 12 right handed pitcher, and 2023 Rice signee, Jackson, Jackson Blank, on the JKR Podcast. For the Texas 12 baseball series, powered my powered by Mind Baseball. Jackson, super pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic to be on the uh, be on the podcast and share what I've got. So
0: awesome, I appreciate it, man. So before we dig into your baseball career, I got one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the Jake podcast, and that is: for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Jackson Blank?
1: Um, so I'm just a. I would say just an athlete from Magnolia, Texas. I'm a baseball player, but I also play football. I just love competing. I'm a competitive guy. Um kind of old school in the fact that I like to work hard and um I just I try to do the little things right. So
0: all right. So you like talk about me.
1: Yeah, that's made me pretty successful.
0: All right. So you talk about Magnolia, Texas. So you're a senior heading into your senior year, which I'm assuming you might have already played your first game or it's coming up next week. So let's dig into high school ball here to start it off. Then we'll move into Texas 12. Um, so take us through, you know, your first three seasons of high school, what those couple what those couple seasons were like, and then maybe what the outlook is heading into your senior year that's starting up right now.
1: Yeah, so so last year um we had an we had an okay season. We ended up getting fourth in district, and then we made playoffs. And man, we had a heck of a series against a really good Lake Creek team, and they've got a lot of guys. And we took them to game three and then we ended up unfortunately losing in game three. And so I've been, I've had that in the back of my head this entire season. So the outlook for this season is that that's the goal is to make a deep run in the playoffs and, and definitely, hopefully win district against Lake Creek because they're in our district. um, This year, last year, they weren't in our district, but we met them in the first round of the playoffs. Um, And we've actually, I've actually got a couple of my 12 teammates play on that team. So, we know a lot of guys and we've got a lot of connections to them. And so, but, but besides them, we have to beat everybody else in our district, of course, but that's the outlook for. a good reason.
0: So you mentioned game three of a tournament game. So how does that work there in Texas? I know here in Indiana, where I'm from, you know, you play one game. If you lose one game, you're out and you go home and you're done playing. How does that work in Texas when it comes to top team, whatever, like how many top teams make it? What does that t- bracket look like? Take us through that state tournament in Texas.
1: So um the coaches can decide before the series starts if you can do a 3 game series or 1 game series and so they decided on a one on a 3 game series I'm sorry you can either do a coin flip or you can just mutually decide on it so they decided on a 3 game series so we actually won game 1 at their place and then we played two games at our place the next day and we lost the second game and the third game unfortunately and it was it's tough looking back on it because because we had leads in both games. So yeah. that's a, but that's how it works. So you can either have a one-game series or a three-game series. It just depends.
0: Okay. So being a junior last year, you know, going through, you know, losing in game three, that winner winner go home win or go home um mm-hmm. type of game, uh, with you now going into your senior year, how have you maybe transitioned from, you know, an underclassman, a junior to now, you know, being that cedar senior leader. In that locker room, like how have you maybe transitioned to that and maybe use some of your past experiences to maybe show some of the younger guys the ropes of high school baseball?
1: Mm-hmm. So, being a senior, you kind of have control and uh, you're more of a leader in the leadership position versus whenever you're an underclassman, it's not so much you're still a leader, but um, and you still have to show those kind of qualities in the leader um, to be a really good teammate and whatnot. But when you're a leader, and we have a really good group of leaders on my team. Um, so I'm super excited to be able to show them the way and that, Hey, this is what we did last year, but this year let's fix this and fix this. And that way we can be even more successful than we were last year and make a deep run. Mm
0: -hmm. So you mentioned how you play quite a few of your Texas 12 teammates, you know, throughout the spring, whether that's the tournament, whether that's the regular season what does that region kind of look like where you're from in Magnolia when it comes to top competition wise, like who are some other division one school, uh, division one commits that you're playing, maybe some schools, you know, like you had, you have circled on the calendar. What does that look like competition wise in your region?
1: Yep. So we have a really tough um, district in our, and so our region is we have Magnolia. Um, that's where I'm from. And so in, we, in our district, we have Magnolia West, my school, and then Magnolia. And then we have Lake Creek and Montgomery um and then we have Brenham and all these got all these teams got got um really good players on their team and then you've got Rudder College Station and Aiden and Consolidated so that's our district um but some guys some D one commits so if I said mentioned Lake Creek earlier so one of my Texas twelve team uh, teammates was Blake Brown he's committed to um, Sam Houston State um that's their shortstop over there he's he's a real good player um they just they got a guy um, Weston Moss right handed pitcher Aiden command. they got a lot of good players. Um, They got a few other players. I can't really. Oh, uh, Jackson Wilkerson, another Texas 12 teammate, Baylor committed on that team. So uh, they've got they've got a lot of good players and a couple of players that played on 12. So
0: so let's say you are a fan or a scout, you know, going to a Magnolia high school baseball game this year. You know, besides yourself, who are maybe some of those other guys to be on the lookout for um, when you're going to a Magnolia game to cheer you guys on?
1: So um, myself, I'm committed to Rice. Um, we've got a really good pitcher in James Owinger. He's committed to DBU. Um, big six five, um, stereotypical big right-handed power pitcher. Throws throws hard. He's got a real good splitter. Um, the other day, he uh, there was a Padre scout that came out, and he I got to throw a bullpen in front of him. and James too, um, and that was super fun. Uh, also, Kalen Diger is a really big part of our team. Um, he's committed to Warden County junior college, really good player. Um, another player, Oh, Dawson park, shortstop, Texas state commit. Um, and then we've got, we've got a lot of young guys that are going to be really good players that haven't committed or anywhere yet. Um, and we've got a couple of guys that are older that are really good baseball players that haven't committed yet, that are probably going to go Juco or better if they really want to. So yeah, they, we've got a lot of-
0: so we talk about how, you know, how great Texas high school baseball is. I mean, you can make an argument along with Florida, California for the top, for the top States when it comes to high school baseball competition. But when you're looking at some of these other teams, so you know, let's say you're matching off on a Friday night against somebody else. What do some of these other pitchers look like in your conference, or even some of the hitters that you're facing when you're on the mound? Like what do some of these guys look like? What are some of their profiles?
1: Um. So everybody in, you know, Texas, Florida, California, I've, played against them and you know, summer ball or whatnot. And so all those states are really good. But in Texas, a lot of the hitters are really scrappy. And so you go, you have to command, be able to command. Because if you go out there and, you know, you might be throwing hard, but if you can't command your spots, then they're just going to take advantage of that. And the coaches, I would say as well, are really big on the fundamentals and scrappiness and whatnot. So in my district, um, there's a lot of really good hitters um, and pitching wise, too, there's a lot of really good pitchers that throw hard, that've got really nice breaking balls, changeups, whatnot, different kind of guys that, you know, one one guy um, on Lake Creek might be a sinker slider guy. And the next guy that comes in might be, you know, rising fastball, over the top curveball kind of guys. So it just depends. We've got all kinds of every different kind of, I would say, style, if you will, um, in Texas. And so everybody's kind of unique, but they all do their job really well. So
0: so looking back into, you know, let's say you're underclass year, So freshman, sophomore year might even want to throw junior in there as well. What do you think is tougher when you're playing high school baseball in Texas where that competition level is so great, but facing you guys who are maybe a couple of years older than you, Um, is that tougher than when you're playing travel baseball, when you're facing some of the top tier talent of your age group? Like looking back, you know, a couple of years, what, what did that kind of look like? Was there a mindset change there when it came to high school travel baseball?
1: Um, so I would say the difference, I would say that high school travel baseball, I would say there's more pressure involved and I don't know why, I guess I would say maybe because the fans are all there and your town shows up and it's crazy, but, um, high school baseball is different in the, in that sense compared to travel ball, baseball, travel ball, baseball is more of, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big team player and whatnot, but I guess I would say. That travel ball baseball is more working on your individual skills and and then putting that together to win games versus high school baseball is, and you're supposed to do this in all baseball games, right? But high school baseball is, let's go out and get the job done. I don't care what I have to do to get it done. You know, this is what I have to do to win games. And so we're going to go out there and do it. And travel ball, there's that too. But also, it's, you know, if you have a couple of college scouts coming out to watch you pitch, you know, you got to show them your best. And so you're not exactly, I would say you're not exactly worried about all the other factors that's going on versus high school baseball. You have to do your job. You have to get it done so that you win games. And so because there's only a certain number of games in district, right? And summer ball, you get you play a tournament, you know, if you don't have a good tournament, you go play the next tournament. Well, if you don't do well in district, you don't make the playoffs. And so that's it. So you've got really one shot to do that and be successful. Yeah.
0: So digging into when I've talked to other, you know, guys from Texas, I hear that you guys have something that's, you know, not very common when it comes to other States, you guys actually have an athletic period where you guys are training throughout the school day. So what does that kind of look like? What does the average school day look like for you? You know, maybe go into class, have an athletic period. And let's say it's a game day, you're going to a game. What does that average school day look like when you have that athletic period?
1: So it just depends from school to school, but for at Magnolia West, we have our athletic period fifth period. I understand that some other schools have their um athletic period seventh period so that their guys they show up to school later. So for me, I have early release. So I have we have seven periods. Um I have early release, so I have sixth and seventh period off. So I show up to school, our school starts at 715. So I got first period, I go history, then second period physics, third period English, fourth period calculus. Um, so I have and then fifth period athletics. So once fifth period athletics is over, you've got probably about an hour and a half window until after school, and that's whenever um, on non-game days. That's whenever practice starts. Um, but on game days, we usually it just depends. Some days we hit on the field to prepare ourselves for that game, um, and um, and then we after then we have some downtime. Then we come back, um, eat a little bit, and then get ready for our game. And our coach at our school is really big on doing the fundamentals right. And he said before our season starts, he said, hey, we might show up to games earlier than you've ever shown up to a game before. But it's not about the distractions. You've got to lock in, do your job um, so you can, we can win games and get the job done.
0: Yeah. So leading up to, you know, let's say you guys hit to the field, you know, a little early leading up to that game while everyone's there, everyone's warming up. What is your pregame routine? Well, that can be when you're on the mound and then even you know how that differs when you're playing the field that day, maybe taking a rest day off the mound. What does that pregame routine look like for you? You know, leading up to you know maybe an hour before the game.
1: So for me, I I definitely have to have food in me. So I'll eat meat. Um, that's a big thing. I just if I eat a bunch of junk the day before or the day of, I can feel it when I'm on the mound. So I have to eat some good food. Um, and then I'll usually take a nap. Whether if it's a away game, I'll take a nap on the bus. Um, if it's not, then I'll take a nap before the game. Um, so I feel I feel like I have energy for the game. Um, and then I would say about 30, 30 minutes or so before the game, I'll start, um, tossing a little bit, but, um, well, before that, I'll say you have to get really warmed up. That's big and important because before, you know, when you're younger, you don't warm up as much, you could get hurt. And so, um, I've learned that as I've been playing that, if you don't do that, you'll get hurt. So I start warming up and then about 30 minutes for the game, I'll start throwing a little bit, real easy, not rushing because if you rush, then you'll get tired. Right. Um, And so you start stretching it out and then eventually it just depends. Well, it depends if you're a home, if you're home or away, because if you're the um, home team, then you're pitching first. And so um, if if that's the case, you know, they can't start without you. But I would say about 10 minutes before game time starts, you go out in the bullpen and start warming up. Um, But also the mindset for before the game, if you go out and have a terrible bullpen, and that's fine, but you got to go in the game and get the job done, right? But if you have a great bullpen, that doesn't necessarily mean you are going to go out and shove on mound. So it's all about getting the job done, doing the little things right, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So let's transition a little bit to the Texas Twelve. So take us through, you know, how you got connected with them, however long ago that was, and you know what that experience was like. You know, playing travel baseball for the Texas Twelve down there in, in uh, College Station.
1: Um. So I had a ton of fun this summer. Um, Playing with 12, the guys are just phenomenal. Um, There's a big um, team mentality with 12 and the fact that I feel like some summer teams or most summer teams, you know, have that selfish mentality sometimes. But with 12, um, there's a real, there's a team chemistry there. Um, So this summer I played with, so for 12, we had multiple different teams. I was, um, played a little bit of two-way on the second team, the black team, which There's a lot of dudes on the black team too, but and then I would pitch on the maroon team. Um, and so I played one or two tournaments with the black team to start out, and then and then I went up to carry, um, and pitch for the maroon team. And that's whenever we got to play the Bulls and the championship and win that. So that was fun. So,
0: so take us through that USA tournament. Um, I know you were on the mound there for that championship game from what I've heard. So take us through, you know, what that the entire event, take us through what that day to day looked like, the atmosphere, just the experience in general. And then leading up to that, that championship game, what it was like facing the Indiana Bulls, what that was going through for you. I mean, for me, Indiana Bulls are my hometown team. So I always like kind of hear. uh, I always kind of like hearing, you know, how you guys beat them. So, you know, kind of take us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so. Um, the week before that, so that was a certain week, the week before that I had just finished up a tournament or the, that tournament was during the week, but the weekend before that I was playing in a tournament in Houston with the other 12 team. Um, and so I flew up, um, I can't remember what day it was, but it was a couple of days before. And so, you know, I was ready to go, but the coach told me, he's like, Hey, just be ready for whenever your number is called. And so I was like, yes, sir. Um, I'll get the job done whenever that's time. And so, game by game we went through and he didn't need me to pitch yet. And so finally he's like championship game that before the game, before that we played team elite and he's like, Hey, are you ready to start the next game? I was like, heck yeah. And so we ended up winning that against team elite. And so, um, I just got, I started getting ready to go for the Indiana bulls. I was like, here we go. I'm about to go out here and do what I can do. And if they hit it, they hit it. So, Oh, well, but uh, I'm just going to be me. And so I went out there, warmed up. Um, Got up there on the mound. I ended up, my final line was, I think, 5.1 innings, 9 Ks, 3 hits, 3 walks. I think that was my final line. Pretty solid. Um, Yeah, pretty solid outing. So, it was super fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So, that that Bulls national team, I mean, their lineup's pretty loaded. You know, you got the top five potential, Max Clark. um, Yeah. Take us through, you know, maybe some of those guys that you were facing, you know, facing Max Clark as well. Uh, What were some of those ABs looking like?
1: So, yeah, so I knew, like, going into the game, of course, I know I've heard of the Indian Bulls. You know, it's all over social media. So, you know, you see all that on Instagram, Twitter, whatnot, like those guys, Max Clark, Andrew Wiggins. Um, So, I mean, when I was pitching, I just remember being up there and, like, having tunnel vision, just getting up there, and I'm going to do my job. And so I just remember going out there like, hey, I'm going to get you out. I don't care who you are. But I I do remember, though, like, seeing Max Clark up there um, with his – I think he was using his pink bat that day. Uh, I think he – I don't remember what he did. I think he grounded out twice, and I think I walked him in in my, in my his third AB. Um, but I had nine Ks that game, so I don't remember off of who. I think I started <laughs> – I know Andrew Wiggins, he's a really good player. He went to the PDP. Uh, I think I struck him out a couple times, struck out a couple other kids. But it was super fun. Like, those kids are all studs, nothing against them. But uh, I just had their number that day.
0: So. so next time you're facing Max Clark, take us through what that approach is facing him. What where, where are you hitting him off with the first pitch? How are you going about that at bat?
1: <laughs> so uh, I do remember pitching him a little bit. I, it was, I could not get him out. He would not change the changeup, but I'd probably throw, go mm, fastball in, maybe change way. away. I don't know. I got to tunnel it. He's a good hitter. So he like I said, he wouldn't strike out. So he got fouled him off, fouled him off. I think I got him to 3-2 and two of his at-bats. Um, and then he, he lined out in the other bat. He lined out to uh, first base on the ground, I think. But, um, but yeah, he wouldn't taste the changeup. So maybe next time I'll get him on a changeup. or we'll throw it back to the slider <laughs> to him. I'll, we'll see.
0: So you you mentioned tunnel vision. So when you're around, you know, when you're at, a, at an event like that, where, you know, there are, you know, a bunch of big time ball players there, I'm sure there's a bunch of scouts and coaches there as well. When you are, you know, let's say, you know, you had that Padres workout the other day where the scout came in, how do you kind of keep that tunnel vision and kind of keep that, you know, away from your mind when you have all these people, different people watching you and kind of just stay focused on the game of baseball.
1: So for me, um, whenever I was younger, I guess, sophomore year in varsity, I, sometimes I would let the moment get too big. And for me, that was a learning experience. And so I took that into the mentality of you can't let people change your outlook on the game or the situation, or you can't let the moment get too big because it's hard. It, I mean, it's nerve wracking whenever you're throwing a bullpen in front of a MLB scout, like that's the that's your dream, right? That's the best job in the world is playing a game. Um, but ultimately, if you try to, if you try too hard then you'll end up. It's it's almost like a snowball effect, and you'll end up failing, not necessarily, but most likely. And so you just have to go out there and be you, and understand that whatever happens, happens. Say, hey, this is what I'm going to do out there. Whatever happens, happens, and uh, I'll have to live with it. But I'm I'm going to give hundred percent effort, and this is going to be the outlook. This is going to be the um, you know, product of what I do. And so you have to have that kind of confidence and that kind of mindset heading into it. And that's what kind of the tunnel vision is.
0: Yeah. So, so with the Texas 12, I mean, I know there's a ton of just, you know, great coaches. You got Coach Knox. I know Coach Bennett focuses on the 2025s, but he is, you know, kind of the face of that program. Coach Hodge, Coach Broninger, all these different guys. You know, what are some of those relationships you have with all these different coaches in the 12 organization?
1: So for me, my biggest relationships were whenever I was with the Maroon and Black. So specifically in the Maroon, the biggest relationship Coach Knox, he's unbelievable. Um, Coach Van Allen, CVA, we like to call him. Van Allen, um, great pitching coach, and then on the black, um, coach Andy Pettit, of course. Uh, so yeah, so he's he's pretty cool, but uh, they completely changed my perspective. Coach, uh, coach, Al- uh, Van Allen CVA, um, taught me, like, for instance, he taught me a new changeup grip. He also taught me, um, the mentality before the game about the bullpen how if you, you could have a terrible bullpen, but it doesn't matter because if you go out there and shove in the game. Like who cares, right? Nobody's going to know. Um, he talked about, he talks about, for instance, whenever I'm pitching in the game, sometimes I would have this tendency to leak my hips forward and then my backside would kind of collapse, but he would talk about stay over your hip as long as possible whenever you're pitching. So little stuff like that, um, helps you throughout the game. Um, and then coach Knox is, he's like, he's one of the most honest guys ever, but he's so knowledgeable about the game. Um, He Has all the players um, locked in in the game, like so. Um, he's all about getting the job done, stuff like that.
0: So, for a guy like Andy Pettit, and let's say you're you know playing a tournament, you have a guy who's won what four World Series rings, four or five, (laughs) right next to you. Like, what are you doing just to pick his branding, just kind of you know, learning from the experiences he's had and some of that knowledge that he's gained over the years with everything he's done in his career?
1: So, um, before I say that, I remember I have a picture. Of me warming up in the bullpen before um, playing the Indiana Bulls and carry, and him uh, standing over the railing, just kind of talking to me, kind of going, walking me through like mentality and stuff like that. Um, and he's just, he's not about, he's not like, he's like, hey, man, yeah. He's like, yeah, you look good. He's, I would say he's more about confidence than anything because you can't go through, if you're having a bad bullpen, you can't completely change your mechanics, you know, 10 minutes before the game starts. Yeah. So it's all about getting your mentality right. And that's what he talks about. And he's, you know, good about getting your confidence up, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, man, you look real good. And go in there, get you a towel, get you a water, sit down, take your break before you go out there, and then go shove." So that you know, he's real, he's awesome coach. Super thankful to I played for him this summer.
0: So, so with your travel baseball career, you know, coming to an end, you know, no more. You know, after this spring, you'll be going to Rice to go ball out there. Um, just looking back into you know these past you know four or five years of playing travel baseball for the Texas 12. What would be a couple of those just favorite memories that you have, you know, beyond maybe that USA championship game um, that you have, you know, playing travel baseball, playing for Texas 12, you know, traveling the country?
1: So for me, um, playing in carry was, of course, one of the best moments of any summer I've had. And that was, I mean, that can't get much better than that. Right. Playing the best competition in the country, um, going to Arizona, um, balling out in the PG world series there. That was fun. But like the little things like playing poker in the hotel with all your teammates, stuff like that, going and hanging out, having dinner. Like that's some of the best memories you can make with some dudes that are going to be like really good baseball players for a while. Establishing those connections is huge in the baseball world. So like, you know, some guys on our team are really good players. They can end up playing in MLB one day. Right. So you, you have those connections for life pretty much. And so establishing those is super important. So yep. that's one of my favorite parts about 12.
0: Mm-hmm. So you talk about establishing those relationships. You know, when you yourself as a D1 baseball player, I mean, you're still around guys, you know, let's say, you know, Kendall George, uh, Blake Mitchell, Jackson Brousseau, Drew Markle, all these other guys who have your caliber of ball players all head to Division one schools just like yourself. How do you kind of go about, you know, maybe watching those guys, how they go about their business, maybe picking their brains, kind of see about their mechanics, this and that. Um, how do you kind of, you know, pick the brains of players, you know, like yourself? Uh, when you're playing for the Texas 12 around so many other division one baseball players?
1: So um, it's all about kind of picking their brain in the sense that, Hey, what does this guy do that works for him? But what does this guy do that works for him? Because if I go out and I try to do exactly what this guy does, it may not work for me. So it's kind of getting what he does kind of get when he what this player does and finding what works for you. So you have a routine. So you go, you can go out there and, you know, shove or, rake or whatever you do if you're a hitter um and be successful in that sense so um like Kendall George that's a he that guy's a heck of a player he's super fast he can beat out a ground ball to the second baseman obviously I can't do that but his mentality before the game as a hitter is going to be completely different than say Drew Markle who is also super fast but uh he he hits for more power than you know Kendall does It's just, they're just completely different type of players right so um in that sense that could be a little bit different and then Jackson Brousseau, those gas left-handed, which he was committed to Rice, by the way. At one point before yeah, he's he committed, he,
0: he did mention that.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of sad, but anyways, uh, he's a heck of a player, and uh, yeah, this that kind of in that kind of way, finding out what works for you while also seeing what works for other people. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so when you were playing for the Texas 12, you mentioned how you were, you know, going back and forth between you know being a two-way player for the Texas. You said bl- black team was it what it was. Yeah, the top oh. team was. Second team is black. Okay, so, you know, you're transitioning from black to maroon, back to black, back to maroon. You know, what challenges came with that on, you know, maybe not sharing what team you're going to be playing for during a certain tournament? What did that look like in terms of, you know, when you found, found out and maybe some of the challenges that came along with that?
1: So in the beginning of the season, I played, um, you know, two tournaments with black, and then I went up and played with maroon. Then I think I just played one more tournament with black, and then I played the rest of the summer with maroon. So it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't too difficult transitioning, because also when I played with maroon, every now and then I would hit. I remember I hit in Arizona. I got Kendall George. I think he got kicked out for some reason. I think he was John or something to the umpire. I don't know if he mentioned that in his podcast, but I got to play right field and i remember hitting i think we were playing the texas sticks which is a team out of dallas and this is in arizona at the rangers and royals facilities which are super nice um i hit a piss missile left field and then the next day i remember nobody nobody knew i could really hit a little bit um i can hit a little bit every now and then uh and then i hit a triple to the 400 foot fence and everybody's like oh my god since when could you hit i was like well I've been playing hitting a little bit for black, and so this is what I can do a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my uh my high school teammate James Ellinger I was telling you about that is going to DBU. He's also on 12 Maroon. He's a really good player. Um, he's like yeah, he hits a little bit for our high school team. <laughs> so, uh, one of the parents was Jose Cruz was standing over there behind the um, bleachers just watching us because we're just we have another rice commit, Landon West, and he just likes to come watch our games every now and then. But he's like one of the parents is like, well. I'll tell Coach Cruz that if we ever need a pinch hitter, you can come out of the bullpen <laughs> or something and in the box. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fun." Yeah, like but
0: that. Well, like that one pitcher for LSU a couple of years ago, where, where he like he was a pinch hitter. You know, hit a bomb <laughs> like right field. He's like, "I was just trying to go up there, hit a bomb. You know, whatever. I'm a, I'm a pitcher." Uh, but no, let's let's dig into the recruiting process. So you talk about the Rice head coach there. Uh, dig into the recruiting process. You know, when it got started, what was it that you know maybe lands you at Rice? Just take us through that whole. Um, experience
1: so the coaches at rice are phenomenal jose cruz jr you know tons of mlb experience played at rice with the guys like lance berkman um so he's a phenomenal head coach um and he's only been here well this is his second season now but he's going to be heck of a head coach and the guys he's bringing in our our recruiting class are really really solid players and then uh paul janish the assistant coach i just love love uh, coach janish he played, I think, in the two thousand and three national. They won the national championship two thousand three. He was on that team, shortstop. So he's he's had the rice experience. He knows the um game really well. Played for the, in the MLB for the Reds and the Braves, I think. And then uh, we just hired a new pitching coach, uh, Coach Parker Bangs. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's a two way South Carolina. Um, so he understands the perspective from pitching and hitting. So, hey, if I'm looking for this pitch as a hitter, well, he's coaching up the pitchers I'm going to throw the other pitch you know um, because he understands both perspectives so he's really solid and I've established really good relationships with him so that's from the coaching from the coaching side that's what uh really got me to Rice so I love the coaches down there and then also school-wise Rice is you know top in the country for academics wise so that was huge for me because I'm in more of an academic kid I've got a lot of college credits um I'm third in my class in high school so um, you know, I was looking at that piece too from the recruiting side. Yeah,
0: is there so digging into academics here real quick before we dig into the whole recruiting process? Being third in your class, are you in the mix to become valedictorian? Is there is there going to be a little bit of a late push to you know get that rolling, or are you going to be still you know still top ten percent? You know, number three is awesome, but is there going to be a yeah. little late push for valedictorian? Uh,
1: like I was talking about in baseball, I'm just going to be me and whatever happens happens, but. It's kind of late now. I was number two at one point, but um, I guess with baseballs, you know, the kids, I don't really know exactly who they are that are uh one and two, but I'm sure they don't have baseball. Like baseball is considered like an on on level credit, and so it doesn't give you that extra GPA boost. But um, no no complaints over here. Uh, <laughs> I'm going <for> baseball,
0: right?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's exciting, so I don't need to be a valedictorian, but.
0: So, so with Cruz, this being his second season, when that whole recruiting process started for you to, you know, when Rice was reaching out, potentially some other schools, was Cruz that guy reaching out, or was that before Cruz got to Rice?
1: So Cruz was the coach whenever whenever I was getting recruited, but they had a different pitching coach, um, and he left last year, um, but Coach Giannis was was. Probably that was the main guy that recruited me the entire time. So, Cruz and Yanish have been there throughout my entire recruiting process. And then the pitching coach changes. Um, that was while I was being recruited, but um, the new pitching coach is absolutely phenomenal. So, um, I've established a really good relationship with him too. So,
0: yeah. So, take us through that timeline. When did that recruiting process get started for you?
1: So, um, I went to well, this was last year during my junior year. Um, I went to a camp in January. And as a junior in January, it was pretty cold. And I remember I went to their camp and I pitched two innings, I think. I had like five Ks and a ground out in two innings. And I didn't throw a pitch under 88, like fastball-wise um, as a junior. And Coach Giannis, we were just talking. He's like, yeah, I'd, you know, we're obviously recruiting you, but I'd really love to have you. This would be a really good fit academic-wise because he knew I was a really good student. Um and so we had kept in touch and then I think it was about February that they offered me last year. So February I got offered. And then throughout the summer um, I was just playing. Um, I hadn't really, I didn't want to make a decision too soon. You know, I wanted to be sure. And so um, towards the end of July, I was pretty much closing in because that's about the window where you're not going to get recruited anymore at that point in the summertime as a going in your senior year. And so I was like, I took um took a couple visits, figured out where I wanted to go, and ultimately decided on Rice that it was the right fit for me. And so it's perfect. It all worked
0: out great. So when that recruiting process was getting started for you, kind of take us through, you know, what's going through your mind. You're like, all right, well, I'm talking to some college coaches. You know, my baseball – my dream of playing collegiate baseball, you know, might be coming true here pretty soon. What was going through your mind as, you know, maybe those first couple of coaches started reaching out to you?
1: So I remember when I first got offered by Rice – um, that was my second offer. My first offer was AM Corpus the summer going into my junior year. So I played football. So before I started football, I remember getting offered and corpus, and that was like huge to me. Like I had never, you know, never gotten a college offer. That was like, whoa, I can't believe what happened. And then in February, when Rice offered me, I remember sitting in the training room, I was stretching or something, and uh they called me and they told me I was I was gonna get offered, and I was like freaking out because <laughs> that was, you know, as huge it was everybody knows who you know rice is down here it's super smart prestigious cool whatever um their baseball is up and coming and so I was super excited about that um and then I just played high school baseball picked up a few more offers here and there um talked to a lot of coaches um made relations with different coaches took visits to other schools I took a visit um to Sam Houston they've got a great program too but ultimately came down to um rice towards the end of the summer. So. I knew that that's where I wanted to go that everything fit the part and so uh, I made my decision I ended up committing.
0: So you mentioned academics there as a key reason for you going to Rice but beyond that as you're going through that recruiting process beyond academics what were some of those other key things that you were looking for when you were maybe comparing Rice to some other schools?
1: So I was looking for you know obviously the academics played a big portion in it but um Relationships, blah, blah. relationships. With, uh, coaches was a big part, and so I established a really good relationships with the coaches, but also relationships with um the teammates that would be coming in. Um, and so I've gotten to do that with the players that are coming in in my twenty twenty three class. Um, one of them is a catcher, um, which is which is really nice. That also plays on twelve. So uh, Landon West uh, Rice commit, a uh, big part of it, and then a lot of guys. We we all met each other on our official visit. Um, we had a great time, um, but there are a lot of guys that are spread out. We have a couple from Florida, um, North or Carolina. One of them, I can't remember, North or South Carolina. Um, and then and we have a couple guys from Texas. Uh, Tobias Motley is another kid, goes to Cypress, so, which is um, pretty close to Magnolia. So um, establishing good relationships with players that are coming in, um, as well as current players, along with the coaches and the uh, academic part.
0: Yeah. Is a big so, part about Rice. So talking about relationships, you know, you mentioned all those different guys that you know who are in your signee class, but are there are there who are some of those other guys that you know maybe commits for the 2024 class? Maybe some guys who are there on campus um now. What are some of those relationships looking like?
1: Um, so I haven't met too many. I haven't really met anybody from the 2024s. I I know who they are, but I haven't really met them. But I've gotten to meet um a lot of current players from my visits. Um, and they're all, they're just all awesome. They're awesome, uh, people um, to hang around with. They're super fun, um, nose down hard workers. Um, gotten to meet guys like Garrett Stratton. Um, so my buddy, uh, Landon West, that goes to Katie, that's in my class. He has an older brother, Graydon. Um, he was our host for our visit. He took us around, showed us everything. Um, uh, Parker Smith, who was the day one starter um, yesterday, he's a um, pitcher. Had a, did a phenomenal job. Um, he's a really good player. Um, guys like that, um, just getting relationships, making relationships with them, friendships, um, they were just really good people and so fun to be around. So.
0: so as the recruiting process was coming to an end, do you remember the day that it hit you? Okay, I think Rice is going to be the place for me. Kind of take us through that a little bit.
1: So I remember this summer, um, I know that so for me, right. So Rice only has 11 spots available for, um, players. And that's, that's a university thing. That's not like an NCAA thing or anything like that. Rice university is just super particular about who they led into their school. Um, because I guess, cause of the academics part. And so I remember there was a, I think there was about eight or nine commits. There was a couple of kids that ended up decommitting after I committed. Um, but, um, there's a couple commits. Uh, and I remember, I was like, well, there's, there's nine kids committed. Um, they don't have any pictures or anything like that. But I was like, at, at the end of the summer, I had kind of figured out where I, I wanted to go there after taking a couple of visits. And I was like, I, I think I really want to go here. It's close to home. Um, the academic part is really big. You know, after you graduate, you're going to have a heck of a job. If you don't end up going pro, um, uh, you know, one of the parts is they actually they were talking about making a lot of money after you graduate. So the uh, coach, <laughs> that was kind of a selling point. Um, that was kind of exciting. Um, but the degree from Rice is just super respected. I've talked to CEOs, um, that that went to Rice, got their MBA or their engineers there. Um, and they said, or if they got a different degree, they would have said I would have, you know, picked this degree from Rice. But it's when you go to a, um, you know apply for a job you're in there with people from harvard or yale you're just super highly respected by going there and so part of that was um part of my decision along with the baseball piece it's just that it's super prestigious and respected in the world so
0: so when you do get there this fall or i guess even this summer because i'm assuming you'll probably get there a little early um what are you planning on studying there like what's where's that interest lie
1: so i'm gonna go i'm gonna start summer schools, and so that starts in late july um and so for me i'm gonna try engineering and i've heard that it's super hard but it can be done and it'll pay off so i'm gonna try mechanical engineering so for me they they call the big three so you have um calculus physics and chemistry and so in high school i'm taking physics and calculus and they will give you the credits if you score high enough on the ap test so my goal is i know i can do it is to get those credits for college and then I'll probably end up taking chemistry there, not in high school, because chemistry in high school, they only have it during fifth period, which is my athletics time, so I can't take it in high school, but I'll have to take that in college, but yeah, so I'm going to try engineering, um, I'm going to do that, and so that'll set me up for life, pretty much, with an engineering degree from Rice, for sure. it's hard for sure. to beat, so.
0: I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty exciting, you be beyond the game of baseball there, but um, so you know we talked about it earlier how you know you're kind of a PO. obviously you could hit a little bit, hit' hit a little bit, you know, when you're hitting in high school hitting for Texas twelve there um last summer as well. but let's kind of dig into the pitching side of things to start it off, let's kind of dig into your arm care situation. so kind of take us through that you know, in season and off season. what's that looking like and then maybe even what your ramp up schedule looks like, you know in December, January, leading into February where the seasons get ready to begin, take us through that arm care situation a little bit
1: so, I mentioned earlier that I played football. So for me, almost part of arm care in high school is was playing football. Playing football gave me a break. It gave my arm a break to kind of recover from, you know, fatigue or anything that went on during the summer. Um, cause you play a lot of games in the summer and uh, and in the spring, of course, with high school. And so I feel like every before every high school season, I have almost a velo jump. Like every single time after football season is over – and so for me, playing football was a part of arm care. And then, and then you get into ramp up, you know, January. So you start throwing from, so this season we've started, we started throwing from 60 feet to 90 feet after a couple of weeks, only throwing fastballs. And then we um, implemented change-ups. Um, and then only a couple of weeks ago, started throwing breaking balls. Um, so now I'm full go. But for instance, I'm going to throw on Monday and um, from next Monday, um, And so I threw I threw long toss yesterday and I threw a little bit of long toss and I threw a flat ground today. And then tomorrow, I'll probably just stretch it out a little bit, kind of get the body set for for Monday. Um, And so you'd be be able to be ready to go. Um, But arm care is huge. And so I like to throw a lot of long toss, um, kind of old school. I do do plyos. I go to this place called Performance Edge in Houston, and we have a lot of good um, players and coaches up there to get your body right and get your mentality right. So I would throw plyos over there, but I throw a long toss to the school. So that's what I do for arm care.
0: So when it comes to the actual in season, let's say – let's go through it. Let's say you start on a Thursday night or whatever. What do those next couple of days look like, you know, leading up to that next start, Um, whether that's, you know, while you're playing at third base, you know, maybe take a couple of days off? What does that look like in between starts?
1: So for me, um, I know it says third base on, on PG, but for high school, I'm actually playing outfield now, um, and I love it. For me, in football, I play safety, so playing outfield for me is like playing safety. Um, You kind of see everything going on in front of you, and you can – uh, it's, you know, the running portion of kind of moving around is just like playing football, so it's super fun for me. So, you know, after a start – if you say you started on a Thursday – um, you would kind of rest your arm for a day or two. And then, you know, you have to do the recovery after that. So you have to run, you have to work out, stuff like that. But then when you're playing in the outfield or playing a game after you pitch, you know, you've got it. You can't throw 110 miles an hour from the outfield a day after you pitch. You have to hit your cuts, stuff like that. So that's a big portion of it is, you know, having a plan for after you pitch as well just as much as, you know, before you pitch. So.
0: so let's talk about when you're actually on the pitcher's mound. Let's dig into your pitching repertoire a little bit. So when you're up there on the mound, you know, what are you throwing at those hitters? Maybe your best, maybe your worst pitch. Kind of take us through that repertoire.
1: So I throw a fastball changeup slider right now. Um, I also, So I used to throw a curveball over a slider, but um, I started throwing a slider and then I ended up getting better at it. And so um, my curveball command went like kind of just wasn't as good. And so for now, for starting out the season, I've been throwing fastball um changeup slider. You know, if you command three pitches, that's, you know, then you can get pretty much anybody out. So I throw fastball. Um, my changeup has gotten a lot better because um, I talked about Coach CVA, Coach Corey Van Allen or, earlier. Um, he taught me a different grip, and he taught me about throwing it. And so I just have a lot of depth to my change-up now. I like kill spin on it compared to the fastball and it just drops out. And so if you can tunnel that pitch off your fastball and then take the slider and tunnel that off of your fastball, you know, fastball's up in the zone, being able to locate your fastball and then throw um, breaking ball or changeup off of that, that's huge. So.
0: so are you pretty dead set with that three-pitch mix you're working with right now, or do you have any plans on, you know, potentially adding, you know, maybe bringing the curveball back or, you know, adding another pitch? What are your kind of thoughts there when it comes to, you know, evolving your pitching repertoire?
1: Yeah, so I think um, being able to after this high school season, obviously I'll go up to college and I'll be playing baseball year round. So that'll give me more time because whenever I'm playing football, I don't have you know I'm not I'm giving my arm a break, so I'm not working on stuff compared to how other kids are completely year round working on baseball. Um, so um, curveball wise, um, I throw curveball every now and then. I just don't as throw as frequently right now as my slider. Because for me, a slider is just easier to command right now. Um, but I throw more of like a, I throw a true twelve six, and then for a slider, I kind of throw like a hard slider. It's almost some of my teammates call it a cutter, but um, I can change the way it moves, like sweeping versus hard. Um, but I kind of bring up the analogy like Justin Berlin. When you watch him pitch, he's like ninety five to ninety seven. Um, you know, every now and then, he tops ninety nine as a forty year old. It's crazy, but. Uh, his slider is like 89, and it's absolutely disgusting. But he can tunnel it off of his fastball. So um, that's that's what it is for me. And then every now and then he throws his curveball, right? If a hitter knows that you've got that in your repertoire, then they have to respect it, you know, if you like to throw it in certain counts. So that's, you know, just showing it off every now and then just so you know that they have it or just so they know that you have it is a big part of it. Um. So, yeah
0: so you talked about earlier about your relationship that you have with that with that rice signee who's also a catcher um who who you play with for the texas 12 but how do you go about you know building relationships with different catchers so let's say you know your your relationship with your catcher on 12 on your high school team you know maybe when you have to go and build new relationships with some guys at rice what does that look like with you the relationship you have with your battery mate
1: so um for starters, Lane, uh, Landon West, the um, Rice Command catcher that played with this summer on 12. He's going to be my roommate at Rice, so that's pretty cool. Um, And then on 12, we had the other catchers were Blake Mitchell, Um, caught me in against the Indiana Bulls and in carry. Uh, he's a phenomenal player. He's, like, he's the number one catcher in the country on PG, gonna, you know, going to be drafted or whatever, heck of a player. And then uh, J.J., who you who you had on the podcast – um. He's a he's a heck of a player. Um, but everybody all those catchers are just phenomenal people and they're easy to be around and they keep you locked into the game. So for instance, in carry, uh Blake Mitchell was catching against against the Indiana Bulls, but JJ was playing um first. He was playing first, and he was like, Hey, hey, Blank, stay over your uh right side longer, you know, just stuff like that. So he he know he understands the game. Um, just as well as I as I do when I'm whenever I'm pitching he's looking at what I'm doing pitching because he's a catcher and he understands that yeah. so you have to have good relationships with catchers so they can point that out and then high school wise yeah. um we have two good catchers in high school we have Brandon Sidmar and Kalen diger Kalen DiGert's is the one going to warden um Brand can definitely go play college baseball if he wants to but um I've had really good friendships with both of those catchers since um elementary and junior high um. And they're Akron players too, and I also played football with them, so they both played football with me. So I've known them for a while and have done a lot of things with them. So,
0: so with your football career coming to an end, how do you see your game evolving? Maybe a little bit quicker now that you get to focus on baseball. You like you said, year round instead of you know taking that four or five month break for football. How do you see your game evolving a little bit quicker, not playing football?
1: So for football. I would say my game's going to change completely because of the way my body is. So for football, your body's like bigger, stiffer. Your, you know, your the muscles you use to throw with are, are there's 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 other muscles in the way of those muscles, and so you have to change your body as you transition from football to baseball completely. So whenever I'm not playing baseball next year and the years after that is going to be completely different for me because I'll be able to, you know, perfect my craft throughout throughout the fall and that'll prepare me for the spring and so i've never been able to do that before um so that's going to completely change and i'll get to focus on one thing at a time versus you know when you take it off from football you have to come back and some things you do in baseball that you've been doing your whole life seem almost foreign like you've never done them before just because you know the way you're feeling and throwing and stuff like that so
0: so let's say you're a scout watching your game. You know you're on the mound. You're interacting with your catcher, interacting with some of your other teammates in the dugout. You're a scout watching your game. What is that personal scouting report that you'd be writing up on your on yourself?
1: So I would say fastball wise, like to throw it up in the zone. Um, you know, upper eighties to low nineties every now and then. My scrimmage the other day, my um, top ninety one. So I'm you know slowly moving my velo up. Um, so and then. Change-up wise, like my change-up, I kill spin on change on my change-up, which allows like that dropping action. And then slider-wise, I throw like a hard slider, which I mentioned that earlier. But I throw that around 82 to 83. So, um, but I would say loves to just compete on the mound. Um, some people like say that I've, I've had like a bulldog mentality almost or like a real unrelentless motor, I guess. So I would write that up for myself. Okay. So, yeah. So I don't have. I'm not like some of my teammates that I've played with. or I have throw 95 just straight, overpowering everybody with a nasty curveball. Um, but you know, I've got the mentality. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna beat you today. And this is what I've got. And so let's see if you can hit a kind of deal. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so so when it comes to the development side of things, so, you know, these this spring, this summer, you know, head to the next four years while you're at Rice, what are some of those things that you're wanting to develop most within your game these next couple of years?
1: Um, For me, I would say developing, hmm, maybe figuring out how to, I know it's big in MLB now to have really high spin on your pitches. So maybe getting more spin on your pitches. I don't know if you can really develop that. It's so like, some ways it's just how you throw. For instance, I know, like, Jack Leiter, he's, like, an average spin guy, but he throws 98. But some guys that throw 80 might have ridiculous spins. So spin is, like, is kind of weird in itself. But um, I would say probably command on being able to throw fastball in and up and then throwing break balls off of that. Because if you can do that, that's really hard to hit his pitchers. I know – or as hitters, I know as a pitcher – Um, working on that and then as a hitter I know that like if you have a two if you have two strikes on you you know you're trying to be late so that you you know kind of foul off the fastball but then you're on time for the breaking ball so that you're not reaching or chasing stuff in the dirt if they throw a breaking ball in the dirt but it's really hard to hit a fastball up and in if you're doing that so being able to kind of take the perspective of being a hitter into pitching is a big is a big thing for me and then uh, just developing that command, um, velocity will come as I get stronger and bigger and whatnot. So it'll all develop out.
0: So digging away, I got one last baseball question here, that we'll dig away to, you know, dig into some off the field stuff. Um, so my last baseball question here, obviously you've had a bunch of great baseball coaches when it comes to, you know, Coach Knox, Andy Pettit, all these different coaches on the Texas 12, your high school coaches. If you had to pick, you know, maybe two to three people who have been the most influential within your baseball career Who would those couple people be and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential?
1: So coaches wise, I've had a lot of great coaches, both football and baseball. I would say, you know, my whole life, my dad, my dad played, played at A&M Texas A&M and he played in the majors. He played for the Montreal Expos and they're not a team anymore, but they're the Washington Nationals now. But he's always been an influence in my life. Like my mom always talks about, I learned to walk by um, holding on to the backs of stadium seats at different stadiums. Um, I've been around because of that. So uh, I would say my dad is is a big part. Um, And then high school coaches wise, I've had numerous uh, football coaches. Um, My high school coach right now, baseball wise, Coach Earls, he's phenomenal. He's big on everything, uh, on all the little things, I'm sorry. And then, you know, Coach Knox is he brings a different perspective of, hey, this is what uh, this is what I, uh, college coaches think about whenever they see you. So this is what you need to do. Right. Um, so I've had great coaches over the span of multiple years. So, um, but yeah, nothing to complain about.
0: Yeah. So when you are looking when you're looking beyond the game of baseball, what, what would a couple of those passions be when you're, you know, maybe trying to get your mind off of things, not think about the game of baseball? What would a couple of those passions be that you'd like to do beyond baseball?
1: Uh beyond baseball, um, down in Texas, we like I like to hunt and fish a little bit. And so I'm big on bow hunting. So I've got I've got a hoy bow. I if I see if like I just love bow hunting. Um, you know, I have deer in range, I'll I'll put it down. So I don't miss with that. So uh I love doing that. And then I love, you know, I just love hunting, and fishing, you know, I love hanging out with friends. Uh one of my buddies, Dawson, who's on my team. Uh He's always trying to get me to go to cornhole tournaments. So I don't know if you've ever played cornhole, but that's kind of fun. Uh, Playing poker with the guys on 12 at the hotel room, that's a blast. So, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of good things to do while not playing baseball.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned bow hunting there. So what is that difference between bow hunting, where I'm assuming it's an actual bow, you're shooting it there, compared to, you know, actual rifle season or whatever they call it? What does that look like? Like, what's the differences there? Like, why do you like bow hunting? Maybe more than you know the traditional hunting.
1: Um, I don't know. Um, have you ever heard of uh Chipper Jones? Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of Chipper Jones. <laughs> yeah, I'm just making sure. All-famer, anyways, he's a big bow hunter. I don't know. I guess for some reason, baseball players like bow hunting. Uh, Coach Andy Pettit, he loves bow hunting, and so, uh, you know, Chipper Jones, like my dad, kind of got me into it. Something about the adrenaline rush. Um, whenever you're sitting 10 feet away from a deer that's snore wheezing, it's cold outside. Um, you're just up there in the stand. You got to be super, so still that they don't see you. But on top of that, you're shaking so hard, like, like you're on a roller coaster or something. I don't know. It like, I remember when I shot, uh, my first, you know, big, big deer. Um, I had him in bow range for about 30 minutes, but he wouldn't give me a shot cause he was on the other side of a tree. Um, but I just remember I could not stop shaking. I tried to get myself to calm down and I just could not do it. Um and so that was just like the the adrenaline rush right there of having buck fever or whatever is just super fun for me to um be able to experience and that's what I love doing. You don't you don't necessarily get that in a gun stand as much as you do, you know, standing pretty much on top of a deer, just right there. Yeah.
0: So when we're digging into motivations here a little bit, what is it that you know just helps you you know get out of bed, helps you go get better, go get one percent better every day, continuously evolve? What is it, just deep down internally, that just motivates you every day to go get better?
1: Um, for me, I would almost say that I'm a perfectionist in the sense that I I would I hate the fact that if I'm say I'm not having a good day that. It's almost like I need to know, I have to have the confidence to know that I work hard enough that if I don't have a good day, that it's because, you know, it's just, it was just one of those days. It wasn't because I didn't work hard enough. So for me, it's almost the fact that I have to have the confidence um, to know that I'm a great player and that this is, so I'm going to go out and work hard every day so that I know that I have the confidence to step in the box or step on the mound and get the job done. And so that's what motivates me to work hard every day is to, to be able to know that you know I'm the best player that I can be and I put in the work hard I put in the work every day and so I know whatever happens happens but it's not because I didn't work hard.
0: All right so digging in my last question here on the JKR podcast here for you. Um, So one question I like to ask everybody just to end it off and that is you know obviously when you head to Rice you're gonna get that opportunity to capitalize off your name image and likeness you know pretty big within the NCAA right now. So when you do get that opportunity what would be that dream brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate with, partner with, whatever happens to be, what would be that dream brand?
1: So uh I've actually heard this question whenever I was listening to the other players a little bit. And I don't know, I would almost say I've worn a lot of Adidas. I've been wearing a lot of ultra boots lately. Um, But that's a hard one. There's so many, there's so many good brands out there. But I know you said the other day on a podcast that everybody likes Lulu. Yeah, is Lulu that,
0: Lululemon, is Lululemon, Lululemon, Lululemon is a one popular one
1: right now. By,
0: by yeah. a lot too. It's crazy. Like, I mean, I would say Lululemon is probably, probably 45%, Nike, maybe 25%. And then, you know, other just like Chipotle and Rawlings and all that, you know, fill out the rest. But, you know, it's yeah, definitely, you know, sure. Lululemon is by far number one. When it comes to that, when it comes to answers for that question.
1: I do have quite a bit of Lulu. So um, my, my girlfriend actually just bought me Lululemon I mean, the other day for Valentine's Day. Um, so I do wear a lot of that, but I wear a lot of Adidas stuff too. I would say maybe a store, not necessarily a brand, but in Texas, we have Bass Pro Shops. So getting in the hunting and fishing piece, you know, if they could sponsor me with a boat here and there. That'd be kind of nice. So Bass Pro Shops, <laughs> okay. you're listening, you know, I, whatever, I'll
0: wear all your stuff. So <laughs> There we go. You know, I like that Bass Pro Shop answer. I think I maybe got that, you know, once or twice before, you know, pretty unique. Um, You know, let's see, you know, maybe these next couple of years as, you know, NIL gets a little bit bigger, maybe Bass Pro Shops, maybe, maybe dabbles a little bit when it comes to, you know, working with some baseball players. Uh, but no, mm-hmm. man, that, that is the final question here on the J Care podcast here for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I want to wish you the best of luck. You know, this spring, you know, even even beyond this spring, as you head to Rice for these next three or four years or so, um, I'll definitely be following your career. I'll definitely be following that Rice program because I got a couple other your future teammates maybe coming on the podcast as well. Uh, but no, man, just best of luck, and I really appreciate you coming on the J Care podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was fun.